welcome everyone to Just Crypto. Uh, we're uh, a show that has honest conversations with creators, builders, and artists within the crypto community. Uh, and our purpose is to elevate the humanity behind those who are driving our community forward by giving them a platform to, to share uh, their projects and their passions. Um, today I'm joined, uh, you know, my name is Vanessa. Hey. <laughs> and today I'm joined with my co-host and producer, Daniel. Hello, people. This is Daniel at S-A-D-A-S-A-N-T on Twitter. And just to remind everyone, uh, none of what we say here is financial advice. Please do your own research. And awesome. we're here. <laughs> we're here. And so you may notice that unlike, you know, some of our usual episodes, we uh, don't have a guest with us today. Uh, in fact, it's been a, a second or two since we did a, did a show. Um, so a lot of today's show is going to be... Uh, a little bit less structured than maybe we're used to, but I uh, love to share into deeper, you know, what Daniel and I have been experiencing through the, the crypto winter that seems to be going on forever. Um, and yeah, we got some thoughts and uh, some ideas to share there. As always, if you're following along live, we love to, you know, have questions and interaction. Um, and we're, you know, normally pretty friendly for all comments to try and answer any of those. Uh, so starting right out, like, Daniel, how are you doing? Um, well, so I'm recovering from COVID. I had COVID uh, about a week or so ago, um, which is, I, I thought it was funny because I barely get out of home. I work from home. Um, so it's very select, in select occasions, I, I go out. <laughs> um, uh, so uh, anyway, we, we both got COVID uh, and uh, we recovered from, from all of the fever like in a day. And then maybe two days, and then we have had like a sore throat for a week. So otherwise, <laughs> there was a hurricane, but not nothing major. <laughs> <laughs> no, nothing major going on. Just a, you know, pandemic finding you. Very glad that you're okay. And then you know, hurricane. Thankfully, also uh, okay. Seems like you're living in dangerous times these days. It's Florida, but I mean. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you're okay, and I'm glad we're getting to spend uh, you know a little bit more time uh, now. The the uh, you know, crypto markets have definitely done uh, a kind of a belly flop uh, recently. Uh, you know, and I think for for myself as well, it's been it's been a, quite a challenging last few months. Uh, you know, especially to keep the interaction going. Uh, you right. know, I've been having a few conversations with with founders that I'm connected with, but also just general conversations with people on Twitter and in Discord and other places. Uh, there very much seems to be kind of a, a almost the pall of winter that's hanging over the crypto community. I don't know if you've seen, seen something similar. Well, so uh, I, I don't know about you, but, but where I used to be more active on, on the internet is on forums and on like small communities where um, I would say things are more organically and people are more like, like with, with the interest to be there because of the community. Uh, mm -hmm. So funny enough, uh, joining the conversation of crypto it felt at the beginning like i was uh, trying to speak to people about like uh, finances and and like investing and stuff like that like like these were very serious topics and very important topics and they are but but now <laughs> in the bear market it feels like we're back again like in square one this is a community we are here building or participating because of the because we love the technology and the people involved uh, if this gets like big eventually again, it'll be great. But otherwise, we we still enjoy being part of the community. 
Yeah, I think that's actually something really important that, that you pointed out. I mean, a, a lot of my enjoyment here is learning about the technology, getting to meet some amazing people. Um, and so that's been uh, almost an anchor. I know a lot of people have disappeared or gone dark and quiet, but, you know, price would be nice to go up, but it's never been my main focus in the short term. I know there'll be kind of ups and downs, hopefully more ups than downs, but here we are. Yeah, to be honest, I'm, I'm uh, like in, in the in the midst of all of the unknown things and how to handle them, right? I am way more like uh, astonished about like or even lost about the idea of what what would be the proper way to do like the 401k. Like, should I just follow the the standard uh, 401k approach, or should I just do something more risky? Like the 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 traditional market is. It's really weird these days. <laughs> I, th I think that warrants a little pop-up here just to let folks know that neither Daniel nor I are financial advisors or experts. Uh, we're just folks on YouTube and Twitter and uh, sharing our own thoughts. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Like th There seem to be so much more important things than which NFT project should I ape into, you know, really doing that groundwork planning for uh, financial health. Oh, yeah. Um uh, go ahead. I have a, like, I, I thought of um, several things there, and then uh, I wonder which one would you rather talk about, like NFTs or, or like the financial market? Yeah, well, let's let's spend a little bit of a time on on the bear market, and uh, you know, I know one of the things we we like to do on this show is get into the emotion, kind of the human uh, behind it, uh, and often, you know, with financial markets, it's it's very much like what's the number, how did the number move today. Um, and there's a lot of emotion that gets attached to that for good or for, for worse. And, you know, I'm curious how you've been handling at an emotional level the, the last six to nine months. It feels like we've just had hit after hit, uh, both in the crypto community and in the world as a whole. Uh, so uh, I'm going to simplify the story by bringing like one, just one cryptocurrency, Bitcoin. So I remember when Bitcoin was at like 60,000 per Bitcoin. And I, I remember thinking, maybe maybe I, I shouldn't buy more right now. <laughs> <laughs> then, uh, like right now, it's like a nineteen thousand, I think. Uh, I'm glad I didn't purchase more. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's difficult, right? Because in the, in the moment, I mean, I guess the the meme at the time was uh, Bitcoin to 100k, right? And you've got all the laser eyes. I see the laser eyes yeah. coming off people. Um, I made a, a commitment, Bitcoin to 100k. So hopefully, it gets there so I can change my profile picture at some point. Oh yeah, again, and it was amazing to see like part of the energy that we all had thinking Bitcoin will get into 100k soonish was just to see how many people would leverage their position uh, on that specific projection. Like people would, would, would really uh, see themselves as holding 100K Bitcoin uh, early a year ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you had these folks like Michael Saylor coming out and saying, uh, mortgage your house, you know, take a second mortgage, take a third mortgage, put it all into Bitcoin at almost the top of Bitcoin. Um, and I think this is just, you know, for anyone who's following along, um, don't listen to what anyone says on YouTube. <laughs> like they're probably wrong. <laughs> like, uh, uh, something I, I have learned over the past several years, and this is on crypto and outside of crypto, is that people with more money, like, and, and I'm talking about Mike, Michael Saylor level of, of, of like investment power, right? 
people with more money don't necessarily make less mistakes. <laughs> yeah, they just have uh, more runway to make more mistakes, and eventually something will hit. Um, yeah, I mean, even if you look at him, like he's bought Bitcoin. I think he's probably down hundreds of millions right now. I don't know what the exact kind of number is there, uh, but devastating in terms of portfolio performance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I do ask like uh, throughout this experience, I have asked my wife a couple of times, like, um, and let's shift focus, right? And I have asked her, should I keep my 401k <laughs> where it is right now, or should I just get the cash? <laughs> and she's like, like, so, so typically, at least here in the United States, I'm, I'm pretty like this for you should be like extremely obvious. But I moved here uh, like five years ago or so. So this uh, foreign key is a new thing for me, and uh, new newish newish thing for me. Yeah. And uh, uh, so typically, these are invested in in like plans that uh, mean that some corporation has th that money invested in the market. So, yeah. uh, and the market is down like a lot. <laughs> so, so one wonders should I just take this out <laughs> and and do something else? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. There's that, that tension right now where everything's down and you think, oh, I just need to get out and keep it safe. And, and you've seen, uh, you know, the standard market cycles where it goes from, you know, hope and enthusiasm all the way down to despair. And, you know, usually when you're feeling those kind of emotions, it's it's almost a signal that, that you've reached maximum pain. Now, maybe we haven't, but I've definitely been feeling the same thing myself. Like, should I just like step back a little bit from all this crypto thing and, and stop buying so much? Uh, you know, what's the coin of the day? What was I buying the other day? Kujira was the one that I was buying. Like, should I stop buying as much of that? Yeah. So something about pain, like maximum pain in, in like economic terms, I would say is that as a Venezuelan, who we have had like 11 zeros removed from our currency and several steps over the years. Um, there's no such thing as maximum pain. <laughs> so, <laughs> Thanks for the sunny optimism today. <laughs> so, but uh, just bringing it back to the 4K, uh, 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 I, I really, really appreciate how uh, cold uh, thinking my wife is sometimes yeah. like, about these things. She just said like, uh, uh, there's no reason to, to, to like move to cash right now. And some, this is not financial advice, but she said, like, if we, if we don't need the cash right now, uh, in our hands, taking it out is just taking less, uh, uh of the profit eventually. And, uh, uh, well, so the question is again, do I need this? And maybe, maybe, maybe I think if anything, if we were to need the cash, I probably shouldn't be investing in it. So, uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah. I guess like, for all of the like 401ks, the stock market and crypto, uh, I'm just, I, even though we are all down and I, I have like, if I take, if I took this investment out, I would have lost a lot of money. I would say at least I don't need this right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's a that's a true blessing. I know you know everyone's in different circumstances through life, um, you know, and being able to make that choice clear headed and and to not be like, oh, I need to buy groceries this week. Like, am I yeah. going to sell some Bitcoin to buy groceries? That's a challenging place to be. And uh, you know, I hope that no one watching this is is ever in that situation. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um. Uh, bringing back like the Michael Saylor types, uh, people that encourage others to to uh, 
leverage their position are like definitely <laughs> immoral at the very least. Like, this is not okay. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm never a fan of that. That's one of the rules I've used. Like I've, I've dabbled, you know, $50 here and there just to learn the tools, but I would never place a large portion of my portfolio under leverage. It just feels like you're asking to be liquidated um, and the market is looking to liquidate you. Um, <laughs> you know, I've, I've had a decent amount of pain the last six to nine months. Um, so, you know, three very uh, prominent projects that have failed, I was invested in very large. Mm -hmm. uh, Terra Luna, boom. Right. Uh, Celsius, boom. Voyager, boom. Um, one of those I'd actually invested my career in as well. And so that's been a little challenging, you know, not to, you know, want to have a job, but also not to have any of that crypto that, that I'd, you know, hoped at some point would, would hold a lot of value. I would say I, I so I'm, I'm sure of it because I have chatted with you a couple of times, but, but I would say that the experiences you gained through uh, these months, uh, maybe uh, the, this like year, I don't know, like what, is it one or two years? <laughs> How much time has passed? <laughs> yeah, it's hard to keep track of, uh, you know, at least since I've been working in crypto, it's it's been about a year and a bit. Um, uh... Yeah, so, so these experiences, uh, you were able to like uh, so, so, so something I would say is that um, before getting like deep into into crypto conversations and communities, you were pretty much out of it. Like you were pretty busy on 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 your career before that. And uh, something if I, I always found encouraging uh, and like admirable of, of you is that you took it to the front stage, like you went to the front lines. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I'm very passionate about, uh, you know, crypto and, and Web3 in particular as a concept and, and the fact that it does give people ownership, true ownership over their, their data or their finances or their content. Um, and it's it's a sea change in, in the world. And, uh, you know, maybe that the timing is just a, a little bit off jumping in briefly before, you know, the, the bear market. But I don't think the concepts and the technology are things that are going to go away anytime soon. So as painful as it's been, thank you for the for the kind words. It's you know it's definitely been a learning experience for me. Oh yeah, and uh, but but I would uh, emphasize that it wasn't just any learning experience. Like you you weren't on the on the sidelines of the, this whole crypto spectacle. You were pretty much at the <laughs> so, I, I was the clown in the ring. So so so. Um, uh, uh, I'm I'm reminded of like um, back in the in the dot com bubble, we we all uh, wondered whether uh, like domains were going to be such a such a such an, such an important thing in the future. Um, and some people did actually like back then did like bet their careers on the internet and the like all of the things that the dot com bubble uh, comprised. And some of them did make bank with it, uh, but they were all the generation prior to the the new, like the the, the the right afterwards generation of all of the software developers and entrepreneurs and so on and so forth that built essentially everyone in the world like today <laughs> built with a, 
a dot com, like you know, some domain or or, or web presence, right? So yeah, I mean, it's interesting you you mentioned dot com. As some of uh, our viewers may be aware, I, I founded and led Google domains many years back and had the opportunity to attend uh, what could only be described as a boondoggle conference where, you know, everyone gets together in the domain industry. There's lots of business that's done there. There's lots of pleasure that's done there as well. And you can see some of the people who got the very early, you know, .com domains or, or that, that set of domains. And, and they've really done very, very well by having kind of the foresight to get in early. And I'm seeing a lot of the same thing happen on some of the ENS domains right now. Like people are jumping in and uh, what's, the, what's the meta right now? Like let's get the three number domains and then the four number yeah. domains. Someone's trying to make five number domains a thing. Um, I think that's maybe a little bit too of a technical analytical approach. I think you need to have a little uh, awareness about which domains could be valuable, not just right. how short they are. You, you know what, uh, something interesting is that even though uh, I would say like, uh, what, what would you say is like the, the price of a very expensive domain today? Ooh, I mean, some have gone for many millions. Um, right. I, I know, I was trying, I just saw it yesterday. I want to say it was 30 ETH. Oh, no, no, sorry. I mean, like, like traditional domains. Oh, traditional. Yeah, definitely for, for uh, quality ones, millions. Um, right. And, and you'll notice like... Uh, all of the English words and, and all the four-letter domains are taken, all the variations on the words. Um, so you'll see like uh, a lot of the Web2 companies, if you you have like Shopify as an example, right? They're trying to create this this brand that can have a .com that isn't taken. Um, right. And there's a lot of, you know, similar uh, weirdly named Web2 properties. Uh, and I think part of that was just trying to find something that they could brand themselves uh, in a way that they didn't have to pay a million dollars entrance fee. Yeah, and... Uh, so, so for all that it's worth, the, the price of of it, 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 I, I think it's very similar to the price of NFTs. Like even though uh, we are all aware that the majority of NFTs are not going to hold the value that maybe they're they, they're they're trying to propose that they have today. <laughs> um, uh, back in the dot com bubble, I, I'm sure you remember uh, that there was a lot of speculation on the on, on the domain names. And one of the, I think the 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 most interesting stories I would say is that the Mark Cuban telling uh, broad, uh, broadcast.com. I don't know. Uh, do you remember that? Uh, vaguely in the distance of time, <laughs> I know he was involved in that, but it was a it was a while ago. Yeah. So uh, broadcast. Uh, sorry, broadcast.com. Uh, uh, it, it was uh, an interesting proposition, but the the value of the company. It seemed to be, or at least I would argue, it was mainly on the domain name. Like the company <laughs> did exist, but but the domain name was very attractive at the moment. And the well, I mean, you think about uh, McDonald's. What business are they in? Real estate. It's their oh, locations. Yeah. Uh, and same same thing, right? Web two companies. The location is not just on the internet. There's a specific .com that has value that has SEO, right. uh, you know, page links coming to it. Um, I was gonna look for the for the at what price broadcast.com got sold, but I'm gonna say just the numbers. It might not be the correct number, but back then it sold like for ten million. Sorry, it sold for millions, and uh, uh, but back then it felt like like the company that purchased uh, the the main uh, purchased hot air. Like many were very critical mm -hmm. about this this purchase. Um, 
but nowadays, like domains, we haven't been able to get rid of domains. <laughs> <laughs> and thankfully, I don't, I don't want to go to you know one seven six point zero three point whatever. <laughs> well, but but but, but I'll, I'll maybe uh, eventually the NFT domains may just make the old domains forgotten. <laughs> maybe I'm not. I don't know, but. Uh, yeah, it's, it's actually interesting because I think one of the, the barriers that uh, NFT domains like on, on ENS, uh, as an example, um, they have is that there's a couple browsers that support them, but you can't really hang your Web2 presence, which is needed right now, on top of a Web3 domain. Now, if Chrome and, and Firefox were to support them, oh boy, <laughs> I, right. I think then, then, we're, then we're in a whole, a whole new uh, ballgame. Yeah, but but even if the the like the, the the convention of using the the Ethereum domains to resolve an address on a browser, even if we're not there yet, uh, the domains in, in Ethereum, even the domains in other blockchains like Cardano, they're already very useful, and and you could just by focusing on, on the on the search engine used for these blockchains to find what is behind that domain, you could just get there probably as fast as you would if you were using Google. Like I would say most people, the way they use Google is that they go to Google and put the domain on the search bar. Right? <laughs> you will be surprised how many people search for google.com on Google. Well, yeah, there you go. So. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely the case. Like a, a lot of these ecosystems have some canonical domain. And I'd argue that Ada Handle, which is the Cardano version, isn't really a domain. It's more a payment handle. Um, hopefully, you know, I've been I've been bugging the team to actually make it a domain because I think there's extra value there. Um, but even this, the last couple of days, you know, I jumped through uh, all the various hoops and learned a bit about stacks. So I have a .btc domain and that's mine and that's my name and it's 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 pretty awesome because it feels like that's a strong property in the ecosystem of web3 yeah, yeah definitely um so so uh, the the way where my mind goes with with the talk of domains is on the on the like the the impending balkanization of the internet it will just feel natural like we're already kind of there like if i just focus on cardano for a week i will not see anything else in the world. Like I don't know what's going on in Ethereum. If I, if I were to do that, uh, and and I don't need to know what's going on on the other side. So this uh, it's funny because it's like uh, we forget about Web two. We don't need that. We are just going to have like hundred different uh, uh, webs that you can <laughs> you can browse, and and it, it's somewhat it feels natural. Like you uh, you get different communities. Um, I don't know. It feels pretty natural to me. What do you think? It's a, it's an interesting observation. That kind of balkanization of Web three. Uh, you know, my my first thought was that some of the reason it feels overwhelming to keep track of everything is in the Web two world. A lot of it, even if it was kind of done in an open source fashion, a, a lot of the planning and everything was done uh, closed source. It was done within the company, and, and so you could just have to keep track of a feature a company launched. Whereas on Web3, all those conversations are out there. There's the opportunity to participate in governance. Uh, there's a whole set of tools for each community that you need to learn in order to engage with it. Um, and so I feel like that, that's an order of magnitude higher burden 
to, to get involved in Web3 and just to keep track of like, you know, I, I'm very much cross-chain in, in all my interests, but jumping from, you know, say a Cosmos chain to Cardano, there's certain primitives that just feel different. And yeah. it's, it's, it's a little jarring, you know, it's like going to a different country and there's just different habits that people have. What, what I would say is that, and this is something I have gotten to appreciate a lot during this bear market is that I realized that by making some distance from the all of the hotness of the daily activities of all of the group chats, <laughs> I didn't necessarily, uh, like it didn't mean I exited the community. So I realized People don't need to have like large packs to be part of a, a crypto community. They, they, they could just have like, for the case of some NFTs, they could just have one NFT. And I know people that are extremely valuable for some NFT communities that just have one, or they could even have no NFTs and still be part of the community. They're like, what I'm trying to point at is that the value of these communities that are held together by by some uh, project. They are the value of those communities is still there, regardless of, of whether you, you decide to take some time off or whether your capacity to be part of it is just like minimal. It is still there, and that's fascinating to me. It's a level of resilience, I, I think, in, in Web3. Because if you think about Web2 and the open source, and so the code is there. But is it any value if no one's maintaining it and updating it and supporting it? Uh, whereas Web3 has that whole other layer that's on top of it where not only are you rewarded for being part of the community and contributing, um, but the community is almost a natural starting point for everything. Yeah, yeah. So you, you said, this is interesting, uh, I find it extremely interesting, the, the resilience of Web3. So uh, just... Pointing back to how NFTs you pay, like you pay initially for hosting, and then it's hosted in theory infinitely, like infinitely in this like distributed hosting uh, platform. Whatever details are behind, um, uh, I I think that would definitely play the part of of uh, allowing these communities to be extremely resilient for things like like the like lengthy per markets, because. You know that even though you might not like, even if, for example, if you, uh, I know people that were that 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 uh, some months ago were like boasting out saying like I am retired, <laughs> you know. <laughs> now some of them are working like in in Uber Eats and so on and so forth, and um, I, I think that's uh, that's a perfect. Uh, a way to to approach this like maybe they just need some cash for example and they would pick anything out just to get through the 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 bear market but afterwards they can be sure that most of the ecosystems we're working with will still be there like you don't need mm. you don't need to like actively host it uh for it to exist anyway yeah, that's kind of interesting because it removes a lot of the, the the fees that people would have to continue something going. Even if you think about uh, some of the communication tools, it tends to be Discord, which is free, Twitter, which is free. Um, and, and so there's, there's no cost there. Uh, I'm sort of reminded of uh, a presentation I was watching uh, just today, actually, from the Cosmosverse, uh, a project called NoLand. And the way they're approaching it, they call it proof of community. And they have, you know, different token tiers, but one of their, their tokens that they're going to be distributing only goes to people who contribute in some fashion, not just code, but, you know, across any uh, 
anything that's needed. And it's an interesting way to kind of tokenize that community, almost in, in the sense of like for an NFT project, what have you contributed other than maybe buying the project or minting early? And that that's good because that's, you know, financial support to the project. Um, and they're taking it a step further and saying, okay, you not just have to, you know, hang around and have some money that you spent, uh, but actually, you know, come in and uh, make a contribution. And that's where you start to get that sort of tokenized value for the community. Yeah, yeah. So, um I'm, I'm, I'm being reminded of uh, all of the communities we have interviewed uh, over the past episodes. And uh, I, I wonder, like, I, I, I'm thinking on, on peeking in and seeing how they're doing. But I think the, 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 the value of like these airdrops could be sufficient, even if they're small, could be sufficient to use, just uh, remind the community, hey, you might, this might be a rough time for you but we're all still here together. And you know, you can just hop on the Discord and we'll be here and doing some, I don't know, fun activity once a week or so, I don't know. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of that kind of community um, that, that that's forming. Um, and so I think that's even as, as difficult as the bear market feels. And I feel like community amplifies some of those difficult feelings at times, right? If, if you're going through a hard time and someone else is going through a hard time, it, it's this almost N squared hard timeness uh, within the community. Yeah. yeah. So where do you want to go next? Yeah, so let's, you know, just uh, jumping off from the, the uh, financial and kind of emotional uh, circumstances, let's use that word, <laughs> that have happened. Uh, I'm curious from your perspective, like what would you have done differently knowing what you know now? Um, uh, and I think the easy answer is, oh, sell at the top, it's great. But, you, you know, would you have legitimately done something like that? So I'm curious, you know, looking back what you would, would do differently. Um, so something I, I didn't appreciate back then was on how effective is the, um, I forgot the name, the DCA um, approach. Yeah, the dollar cost averaging, yeah. Dollar cost averaging is extremely practical. And uh, at the moment I thought, well, you know what, this isn't going to change drastically. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, uh, maybe I'm just going to skip like uh, skip ahead a little bit um, and uh, what, what the, the, the bear market teaches me is that um, you should follow your strategies like if you plan a strategy out like if you're going to DCA just follow that strategy as planned um, and the, the rewards will be greater than if you were to like try to improvise at the moment just because you know this feels like <laughs> this is my moment this is this feels very attractive to me right now i'm gonna i'm gonna be bold and uh, you know may, maybe not <laughs> yeah it's, it's interesting because i think we remember with more pain those moments that we got excited and emotion took over and we made a bad decision um and i, I don't know if we remember as much those those moments where emotion took over and we made a good decision because that level of pain lives longer um, yeah, and, and so it's interesting to me as you're talking about that. I think it's a, a solid lesson to be a little bit unemotional with it and, and to be consistent. I also wonder how much of our mental anchoring is in that moment of pain versus in the moment of kind of pleasure, as it were, for making good decisions. Uh, the, the moments of pain are extremely valuable because you uh, learn a lot from them, like way more than the moments of like of pleasure. Uh, um uh, I, I I insist that like um, 
just not only being like cold thinking about how to approach investments, but also to define like a ritual, like uh, just like how everything we organize in our lives eventually becomes some like recurrent theme that we do every day or every week or every so on because we need to like for example uh, remind ourselves to call our family you know the kind of that kind of stuff like if we don't make it a, a cycle it just gets forgotten and, and there are consequences well the, the good thing about calling your family is that sometimes uh, there's a built-in reminder and they'll call you well yeah yeah but i mean either way um just uh like for example if you were only to rely on them calling you uh they will feel that you're not doing the same for them so so uh anyway just like getting into developing these habits has uh a return value that is way better way bigger than just mm. just uh, trying to go with the flow like you know uh getting tempted and and just like going with whatever feels good at the moment like this, um, this recurring uh, practices, these cycles, these like rituals that we tend to develop in our lives are extremely important, uh, and the, we, we get a lot more from them than, than we think. Like for example, if our, um, uh, what, what that tells me from DCA is that DCA is not just it, it's not a lazy strategy. It, it's a strategy that requires a lot of discipline. Like if, if we are very aware of what's going on in crypto, you might be tempted to stop doing DCA. Yeah. But DCA is, is it, it continues to be like a a great strategy by itself. Like it follows. <laughs> yeah, there's also an emotional burden to doing all of that other stuff. It's like you have to think about it. You have to uh, monitor things. I know for a while, many years ago, um, I, I tried my hand at trading options and did pretty decent at it. But I was spending three hours a day, you know, charting and learning and tracking things. It was a full-time job on top of what I was already doing. And, and DCA yeah. is easy. You can set a recurring buy on, uh, you know, wherever, whichever exchange you like to use, and it just happens. So uh, uh, something I read in, a, in an investment blog was that... Um, before investing in anything, uh, set a reminder to yourself in, in uh, to to see the uh, the the project you're trying to invest on, like a couple of weeks like later, or or maybe like three months ahead. So, uh, whatever are your feelings right now uh, uh, that might be uh, be alluring for you to to invest at the moment, when you see them out of context in a couple in, in the future, maybe in a couple of weeks or in in, in a couple of months. And you you might realize oh no this was this was a bad idea or maybe you or maybe you you uh, you reaffirm the same beliefs that you had so uh, in that same sense um, you could do that approach that with like DCA and say well you know what uh, maybe I'm gonna invest more this month but I'm not gonna do it now I'm gonna do it on the date. I have set for the DCA. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it hits a little different there. No, I mean, I think that's a good lesson. Be consistent, uh, you know, dollar cost average. Um, I, I think that uh, more of us could be served well from having a little less emotional attachment to our yeah. investments. Uh, and I'll, I'll repeat it because uh, uh, I'm fortunate to not have gotten there, but uh, don't invest the cash that you might need 
<laughs> you need the cash. If you think you need, you'll need the cash in the future, and, and it might get there. Like life uh, surprises you, then just don't, you don't, don't use that money. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that's a good lesson. Um, you know, I think uh, something that I've I've learned through the the last six to nine months. I love when I jump into something, I jump in with both feet and I, I try and learn as much about everything that I possibly can. And um, I, I really go broad. Um, and I, I, you know, what I've done in crypto is to try and learn about every blockchain that's out there and every dApp that's on the blockchain and not just learn about it, but actually firsthand go and, you know, try it and see what it's all about. Um, I think for me, one thing I would have done differently is to focus a little more on, on a few um, and I've, you know, slowly whittled down the, I think I used to have almost a hundred different coins and I would try and keep track of all of them. It's impossible. Um, but getting a, a little bit deeper uh, with each of the projects that I was, uh, I was part of, I think that's something I, I wish I had done at the beginning of the, the whole uh, path. So about that specifically, I believe you have, even if you feel that you could have done, you could have done it more, you did develop some like tighter bonds with some community i would say that primarily with elrond right yeah I'm, i mean i'm blessed to have been in multiple communities the elrond community is you know fantastic it also helps that they're a smaller more tight-knit community and right. so i find you know if you look at like what is the bitcoin community i mean there's hundreds of thousands of people everywhere there's no cohesion even ethereum feels like that um and and so it's easier to to find connections with communities that are a, a little bit smaller, like an Elrond. And so I've been very blessed. It's it's been a great place to be part of. But let, let me ask you, how has the for for example the Elrond community felt over the bear market? Because I, I have a similar experience on Cardano, but uh, I want so specifically in these communities that you have developed a tighter bond with. How have you seen them uh, approach the bear market versus? the like the, the other communities where you, your presence is is less uh, bonded let's say yeah so you know i can talk for our own in specific about uh, two different types of folks i think the the first person is the the builders and the founders of the projects particularly the nft projects i've been most close with many founders and nft projects and for a lot of them it's been almost like rational business planning like okay the price of the coin is down the activity is down it's a bear market how do we ensure we can survive winter uh, you know, and make sure that we're we're not blowing the the treasury that the Dow has all at once. That we're taking smart decisions. That we're continuing to engage and build, but we're not shooting our shot during the bear market. Uh, and I think most folks have been very mature about that. Uh, there's been a couple projects that have you know just gone silent, even if it may not be a rug. I think people are feeling that emotional burden of of everything. Um, and then as I look at the community themselves. I have seen there's been a lot more uh, sort of sniping and negativity than usual. Um, mm. And and I've seen people put down other projects, whereas perhaps when everyone was winning, it was easy just to you know talk about how awesome your project was. There's, there's a little more of that negativity that I've seen seep in. Um, and I think it's just natural. You know, people are hurting. Uh, they're in a place maybe they've invested too much um, and they're, they don't see a path out. Right? It's a pretty deep pit right now in the middle of crypto winter. Most coins are down 90%. Alrond, I think, is no exception right now. And so if you bought at the top $400 a coin plus, you're really, really hurting. Um, and right. it's I think it's understandable that some of that bleeds out into the interactions. Um, overall, though, the, the people that have stuck around um, and the people that continue to build and continue to be part of the community, 
I think there's a camaraderie. And I, I think when time turns, when spring once again comes, that it's going to be a stronger community for it. That, that's exactly where, what, what, what I wanted to hear. So on the negativity side, I, I have seen it from two sides. One is like the, the bystander um, sniping for negativity. And the other is the, pro, the, the uh, let's say, the asset holder or, or the project owner who, who just gets desperate and starts to burn out uh, and, and like uh, antagonize everyone and just like burn <laughs> it to the ground. I've seen it a couple of times and it's, It's extremely sad because because um, you see how bright and beautiful is the the opposite attitude, which is like you know we're all in this together. <laughs> this is rough, <laughs> and like uh, the the better side of it is like I think the the people that have now become our friends, and even if we don't speak with them every day, uh, we chime or they chime uh, onto us every so often, saying, "Hey, how are you doing?" <laughs> Yeah. yeah, no, that, that's great. And I'm actually curious what you've observed. I think you're more close with the Cardano community. I know we just lost a whale recently, um, but I'm curious yeah. what you've observed in that community. Well, uh, so so for me, uh, it has been extremely positive. I, I intentionally picked a, a couple of uh, communities to be in the Cardano ecosystem where I thought I could learn the most. So uh, I'm going to just pick one of them for the conversation, just to simplify. The uh, on-site algorithms community, you are aware that I have been, uh, <laughs> at the very least, bullish. <laughs> But... And I feel like we, we need to do sort of a, a little bit of promotion. If you're interested in unsigs and unsig uh, algorithm uh, NFTs, we do have another show that you can you can take a watch. We've had a you know good conversation about those. Sorry, uh, carry on, uh, Daniel. So uh, that community for me is fascinating because uh, so the folks we have been uh, so fortunate to interview, they were amongst the uh, like tied to the, the on-site algorithms community. Uh, there were like um, Will Etheridge from from Origin, Origin Thread, um, uh, Jim from from the Tonkiri, uh, uh, I forgot, and I'm trying to pick the words in English, but Tonkiri. Um, It, it's a recovery institution, but I just can't rem remember the correct way to say it. Uh, my point is that they have they, they benefited a lot when the price went crazy up at the beginning of the project. Mm -hmm. But the reason why I I, I uh, got uh, or was very interested very interested to get in, in deeper conversations with them, uh, like inside of our of our just crypto videos and outside of it, is that they are just very interesting folks and. The, the on-same algorithms project uh, uh, in principle is, is, a, um, is a, a rather succinct and small uh, piece of Python that produces uh, art. And uh, so there are several layers to it, but one is that, for example, I wanted to um, see how to get more involved with a community that, that was interested in learning to, to to code or, or to help others learn to code. So that's one of uh, me being a software engineer. I thought, well, this community is clearly interested in the code part of it. So, and it's not specifically to just writing smart contracts. Like uh, there's a bridge between the, the focus of making smart contracts and uh, the other value that the technology has in uh, 
tied to crypto. And in this case, it's an NFT, but it's an NFT built with code. So you can approach it exclusively from the code perspective and just ignore all of the <laughs> Web3. <laughs> um, and in that community, I have met uh, amazing people that, that we still um, uh, like correspond. Like I have, uh, um, entrepreneurs, we, we have talked with some of them. Um, uh, people uh, studying in universities and doing uh, like their studies uh, or tying their studies with Web3, um, as well as like data engineers, just like they like the project and then they invest some time like in investigating uh, all of the data aspects of the project. Um, so, specifically in that regard, uh, I uh, anyway, so do, uh, rather than extending myself, um, the the value that I got from that community and other communities that I, that, that I engage with is like all of these, I would say, friendships with amazing people that I can just like write to every so often and uh, I wouldn't have met otherwise. I think that's a, that's a really good point. Like it's a, an interest in a community that, I mean, if you think about where everyone's from, like there's people right. from across the entire world. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm down in South Texas. I don't even know how many people in my city know anything about crypto. It would be right. very hard to find that level of community. So it's almost like these, these projects bring people together that have very niche uh, interests and, and passions. Yeah, like before this, how I would find people like that to, to chat would be like uh, at some point in time, like forums and social networks. But but uh, we all know that in the past several years, social networks became like this battleground of ideas. So, uh, it would be very easy to get into this toxic uh, scenario where uh, you would be like you would have like enemies in social networks. You know, it got very dense in social networks. So where else do you get people uh, or do you, do you grow your network in a more honest uh, way? For a while, it, it was for me just games. And uh, there, there's still a lot of people who just play games to share their time with other people. But through Web3, yeah. you have a whole new universe. Like There are communities that I have seen that are mainly focused on helping, like women helping women. Uh, like do art so that they could eventually get into making NFTs. And I find this fascinating that there are, you know, communities building around that and just like teaching art and technology. It's, it's beautiful. I mean, I think, I think part of that also that helps to enable it is that there is the potential of a financial reward at the end. Um, and so it, I think oftentimes, especially in society today, uh, it can be difficult to get fully invested into something if you can't see a, a gain and for better or worse, like that's, you know, I, I don't think we should do everything like that, but web three in particular, like it's a valuable set of skills that whether it results in anything in the short term or the long term or large or small, like it's something that helps drive you forward in that passion as well. Um, yeah. And that there, there's going to be resources that are created uh, because there's an opportunity to, you know, essentially use that capital in an effective fashion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think uh, amongst the most like uh, positive projects that I have seen are those we, we have interviews um, 
well, we have interviewed a couple, but uh, like these communities focus on teaching others how they can take advantage of what, what tree and cryptocurrency is because building like financial education, besides being a huge part of, of crypto and Web3, is such like a fundamental way to make a community, right? Like, <laughs> like yeah, rather, that, go ahead, go ahead. And I think the thing that, that's kind of amazing is that there's, um, so many aspects to Web3, like whichever place you want to come in at, you know, whether it's on the art side for an NFT project or the coding side, uh, you know, marketing, I think, is huge. Community building is huge. Uh, in traditional Web2 companies, you know, I think oftentimes the folks who focus on community are not kind of top of the pile of, of any sort of internal set of disciplines. You know, they're, they're off with customer support. But in Web3, they're, they're front and center. I mean, your whole uh, product really is a community. So learning those skills, learning how to build and manage communities, just fantastically valuable. So um, something amazing that I, I, I'm thinking now that you mentioned it in that way is that uh, we, we, we're not fully seeing what this means yet because what I remember from like five years ago is that most companies would market themselves to investors based on the number of users they had. Um, but in many cases, and we, we know this is a fact because like time has passed and many of these companies have had like huge lawsuits about this, but we know <laughs> that it's a fact that many of the numbers that companies have used in the past in general to say or to talk about the number of users they have, have been fabricated. Um, and uh, to some degree, I don't think you can fabricate a community. <laughs> um, like moving forward, it's not that easy. So the value of like a Web3 community that can withstand time and, and becomes larger might be like, we, I, I think we will just see in some years how that is much more valuable than whatever statistics uh, investors use to count on to invest like in, in social media companies, for example. I think that's a very uh, insightful point because it's it's easy to fake numbers. I mean, you just look at Solana and how many things that they faked, uh, you know, TVL and, you know, number of wallets and who knows what else is being faked there. But it's it's more difficult to fake true community and that, that level of interaction. Uh, like you can pop into someone's Discord and you'll see right away, like, is that genuine, interesting conversation? Is it just bots throwing stuff across the wall? Is it completely silent? Uh, uh, and... and uh... Add to that the fact that if, if it's a community built around NFTs, they are willing to use their purchase power. So, so for investors, that, ha that, that I believe there's a compelling argument for investors there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and I guess that's the thing is that I keep coming back to this Web3 has the value where everyone can share in the value that's created. And yeah. so if you do a little bit of marketing or a little bit of documentation for the project you're involved in, maybe the floor price rises, right? Or maybe you get more people involved. And um, it's, it's just very, it seems to use a, an awful business word, synergistic. Yeah, <laughs> synergistic. <laughs> um, you know, I am curious. I want to pop something up on the screen here. Let me see if I can uh, go ahead and do that. Uh... Aha. It's working. So this is the a chart that's been floating around. It shows the monthly volume of Ethereum on OpenSea for NFTs. Wow. Uh, and you can see that it's fallen off a cliff might be a polite way to say it. Um, so I'll leave the chart up there for just a second. But I'd love to get your thoughts on 
you know, NFTs originally, people have derided them as, why are you paying for a JPEG, right, right click, save, all of that. Um, and the market's now, you know, pretty much where it was at the start, very, very close to it. Do you think NFTs can survive, will survive yeah. this winter? Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, so, <laughs> um, uh, so the, the issue with NFTs is, uh, is that they are boundless. So by just by how infinite they can be, um, most of them don't, do not have any value. Um, however, uh, they the identity that one is able to tie with the NFT um, is extremely valuable. So it, it is similar to traditional art where, so you could have a piece of art and everyone could see the art, maybe take photographs of the art, but at the end, having that piece of art tells a lot about the owner of the, of the mm. art. Um, so one, um, so uh, the, the, uh, just two, two side of it, and so I'm, I'm going to entertain, entertain one, which is, it, it, it isn't where I want to go in the conversation, but I like it a lot, which is uh, you, uh, one reason to buy art is to, it's like a reminder. It's like, uh, you know how people use post-its to just like remind themselves to do stuff. Maybe you want to be brought back to how you felt when you saw some piece of art. Like maybe, maybe you want to have that kind of sensation more in the future. So if you buy it and if you have it there, visibly in your house or somewhere, somewhere where you can see it, you can get back to how you felt or the ideas that you had uh, the first time that you experienced the art and maybe develop new ones. So there's this whole internal side of like uh, changing the things that you consume on an everyday basis, but there's an external part, which is um, how it connects people. Like, for example, you would see this in like Supreme, like it, it, even though it's like maybe, maybe even bastardizing to just like bring Supreme into the art uh, spectrum, but um, the, the whole brand of Supreme, uh, the value of it wasn't on the colors and the font used to just say Supreme, but on the people that were able, uh, after all of the effort to just get, uh, the, these items and what it meant for, uh, what it meant in their community. So, um, so back to art, like if you, uh, actually this, one example that I have, like very immediate, uh, we have like my wife and I have one art piece uh, in the house, which is from uh, Romero Brito. Uh, uh, Brito, I don't know if he he should be pronounced Brito or Brito, uh, but he's, he's Brazilian, but he lives in Miami, and he he makes art that is very uh, pop, very modern, very colorful, right? And uh, what's funny is that. Just by coincidence, uh, we were calling one of our friends the other day, and they had a very similar art piece in their house than, than our art piece. So we already knew we we're compatible, but just like seeing <laughs> that we bought almost the same piece of art, like unbeknownst to the other, is like, hey, uh, it makes sense. <laughs> you know, I, I love the way you're tying um, identity of like, this is me and this is an expression of myself with connection of like oh and that's you and we have this in common because we've chosen to express ourselves in a very similar way 
Um, it, I think that's something that I personally hadn't considered before with NFTs, but it feels maybe tremendously valuable, valuable in sort of tribe forming. Yeah, yeah. For me, that's where um, NFTs are not going away anytime soon. Uh, like forever in history, as long as, uh, like, for example, uh, you see, focus on eth Ethereum NFTs, right? Uh, as long as there is Ethereum. <laughs> <laughs> and it was touch and go a while ago with the, the, the merge. <laughs> Thank well, you right, for to that. We expect Ethereum to be here for an infinite time. We, we, nobody expects Ethereum to go away. Uh, so as long as Ethereum exists, um, uh, my phone started talking. Uh, as long as Ethereum exists, um, the Ethereum community will rem remember some of its NFTs. Like it, it, maybe it's just one percent, but it's like I'm pretty sure that nobody will for, forget how crazy everyone was about like the <laughs> apes, right? Um, so uh, if it lose, like if the board apes lose value as a, like a hot commodity to have, then it will become like a cold commodity. You you will want to have it just because oh we have this old thing. Just remember uh, ten years ago. When we were using this, like 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 uh, record players that people just buy to just play old records, it's not useful anymore, but it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that that sort of sense of nostalgia, I'm seeing that come alive a bit, even on on Elrond, where some of the OG projects are, are really starting to come alive again. And I'm like, okay, well, there's there's some aspect of nostalgia for this blockchain that you and community largely that you've been part of. I don't think people maybe feel the same sense of nostalgia about technology, but more about their feeling about the technology or their emotions they have with the community. Like that's what creates that bond. Yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. Um, so uh, on the, on the, like on the realm of games, uh, on, on software before block, before uh, crypto, I would say um, it, it's harder to build this value over time in software because uh, software is made to be replicated. So uh, you would have, what would happen is that if something gets slightly forgotten and then becomes like this cold value thing, eventually it will become open source. Like for example, how the, mm -hmm. the old notepad or the uh, how the Apollo missions eventually got disclosed and you can see the code of the Apollo missions on GitHub and it's like a museum, right? But it's free. There's no uh, like owning it doesn't. Uh, it's not an asset for anyone. Um, the changing of that, where now you can own a piece of history, I think that's extremely valuable. And may, I, I hope it is. Like just to be later say may, maybe I was correct, but but I think it's extremely valuable. Well, there's there's kind of two aspects as you're talking. I'm thinking like one is this idea of you know NFTs as proof of ownership of a digital good. Um, but the other aspect, we talked about communities, and you talk about something that can't easily be replicated, um, and yet communities can't be easily replicated, but you can't also own it. It's, it's sort of this dynamic thing. It's like holding water in your hands. And, and, and I, I wonder if that's where value could maybe be going in the future is these set of self-organizing groups that come together around a particular purpose and yeah, there's tokenization in some fashion, fungible and non-fungible that helps support it, whether it's financially or finding the identity and tribe forming. Um, but the, the, that, that 
amorphous value of a community which is either passionate and growing or grumpy and shrinking um, is, is interesting. And, and I, th I think even about uh, the Cardano community and what I've seen just uh, observing online for, for the last, you know, three months or so, there's a level of resilience. I, I feel like if, if Ada went to zero, some folks would still be around doing their thing. Um, and that, that's that's a, a true strength of something is that you have that community that's resilient. Uh, you know, that, that, that water is perhaps a little more solid and you can hold it together. For sure. Uh, um, not only it is resilient, but where the future is being is built in general, I would say is in these smaller communities that at the moment feel niche and maybe maybe not that successful, but they are the building blocks of, of a culture that later like every culture that later develops into some major thing started uh, at some point in time in like a, in like a niche community of like outcasts like. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe maybe they were like they had like normal lives and, and jobs and so on and so forth. But they met and that it was in that community where they uh, they were able to like develop this environment where the, this new idea could foster. And then many years later, it becomes like a like a global thing with with, with recognition and it's not local anymore. Uh, if I remember correctly, the whole move, movement of postmodernism. It started, if I forgot the names, but it started uh, in small communities, if I'm not mistaken, like in New York. But the, what, what I'm reminded of is that um, it was like a group of people that met frequently and they share absurdities of, of like the world in, in the shape of art. And it was valuable for them. Like mm. it was universally valuable. Um, and they were just intentional transgressors of whatever was like the the rule of the, like the art industry and the art schools of the time. And later, it becomes this whole worldwide non-local thing, where like postmodern art is a thing that is not tied to its origin. Uh, but so I, I think a lot of that will happen. Like these communities that we we see as our maybe are the friends we chat with. Um, and that's about it. In the future, it will be like the beginning of like Usenet or the beginning of of like the C forums or the, or the Linux forums where there we were two or three at the beginning and now it's like whole, <laughs> I hope at least. Uh, you know, so I've, I've really, you know, enjoyed um, just exploring a little bit deeper behind what's happening. Cause I think when the market gets rough, like it's been, um, as you said, it, it strips away some of that enthusiasm about numbers going up and it really gets to the core of why are we here? What are we doing? What, what drew people? And you start to see the kind of people that stick around. Um, and so, you know, I'm curious as you look out into the future a year or two years from now, where do you see the, the crypto industry and these communities that you've, you've brought up? Where do you see them being? Huh, um... Uh, and uh, the, the the first thing to test is that what we all hope should happen is that for whatever reason in the following near future, crypto should get back to some some of its former glory, right? <laughs> um, if if it goes there, because uh, there's like another doomsday scenario, I, I don't think it's probable, but it's just like continue to go down. And then 
so let's explore that first. If it continues to go down, I think it will be picked up by like uh, some some of large cor corporations, and they'll just pick up the 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 remains and build their their thing. Uh, uh, yeah, that's not a very optimistic future, <laughs> but no, I can see it as a possible future. future. Yeah, okay. but the 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 good uh, future would be just like how a Bitcoin became what it is today. Um, it uh, surprised us, everyone, because at some point the conditions in the market and in the world made or convinced uh, a lot of people eventually that where they could be safer was in Bitcoin. So um, I, I, I don't see why it would be different now. I think um, going in, uh, towards the future, we will be... Uh, I, I, at large reminded again that maybe crypto is safer than the alternative um, mm. and maybe the principles why crypto was built as it is is because fundamentally is safer than the alternative I mean so if that happens then it will grow to become like a, a very big thing at some point it's, it's interesting I was um, reading something um, I think the name of the book was the sovereign individual and they were talking about, they called it um, cyber currencies. Uh, this is written before crypto was a thing. Um, and they were talking about if cyber currencies ever actually got to be a big deal, that governments would step in to try and devalue them. And they talked about actions that governments would take. And, you you know, I can squint and see a lot of them happening right now. So part of me does wonder, uh, you know, is, it, is there a last scramble um, among people who are very powerful to ensure that people don't view Bitcoin and crypto as a safer alternative. Um, because if they did, that, that shifts the power a lot, you know, societally to different actors. Um, so, so outside of whether that's happening or not, we can see a clear challenger to crypto at large, which is central bank digital currencies. And they're becoming a thing and they're, they're, they're sooner, sooner than later, like in, in the near future, they will be a thing. And um, they're, uh, one of their main purposes is to, um, to challenge cryptocurrencies at large. Um, uh, so the question is whether uh, they, can, they can do it. So, so I, I, I would say there are reasons why Bitcoin wasn't, wasn't invented in Silicon Valley. Like, uh, it wasn't funded in Silicon Valley. Um, and uh, many of the reasons, I think, are because uh, I would like to believe that uh, to play at the, at the scale that Bitcoin, Bitcoin wants to play, these local bureaucracies of like ego uh, or like the, 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 the hierarchies of society at the, at the scale of Silicon Valley these aren't relevant for what the challenges mm -hmm. that is trying to solve. Um, so I would, ex uh, what I would want to happen at least is that crypto should prove itself to be the answer to the problems that it's trying to solve and therefore render the things like central bank digital currency as like a nice try, but it's not the same game, right? <laughs> I love it. I'll be very happy if we get to the uh, nice tribe, but uh, we're, we're playing our own game here. 
Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, ultimately, I've, I've really learned a bit about my own character through the last six to nine months. Because um, you can see uh, when there's what the motivation is to be here. And uh, there's definitely, you know, for, for me, part of it was number go up and the number didn't go up. But also knowing that there's a lot more and, you know, that's why we, we're still going, right? We, we took a little break. I, I'll, I'll admit that it was uh, wind out of uh, my sails, at least, um, when, when everything started to explode. And, you know, it's tough to keep going in this situation. But the fact that many people are and that you and I are here, um, I think that's just, it's a beautiful testament to uh, our own resilience. Uh, I'm very excited to continue the conversation. I think, um, so starting from, I think you're a fascinating person and I like oh. to use this space to chat with you. Um, but you helped me meet people that otherwise I wouldn't meet. And uh, the statement that you have uh, essentially um, designed for this space is that we... Um, bring up the humanity of people to the front. Um, uh, say it in other words, but <laughs> uh, that is exactly what uh, the, the value I'm trying to get. So I'm very excited to continue meeting other people, um, especially who they are and how they got here and what is in their minds, rather than like... Uh, the whole Web3 and crypto side of it is like, it's like almost secondary, right? Like I, I'm extremely curious about these people. <laughs> Why are they doing that? This is fascinating. <laughs> yeah. And for, for those of you following along, thank you first for getting, you know, all, all the way to near the end of, of the episode. Uh, we will have some awesome guests coming up. We've already got next week's uh, guest booked. So uh, please, you know, take a look down below, hit the subscribe button, do the like, do all the YouTube things that we're supposed to ask you to do um, because it, it really does, uh, you know, help let you know when, when stuff's happening. Uh, but also, you know, helps us reach more people. Um, it's it's something that we would love to bring this value of the humanity behind Web3 to more folks. And so very much appreciate your help in getting there. Um, Daniel, before we sign off, is there anything else you'd like to, to share with folks? Nope. Uh, thank you so much for, for, for the opportunity to be here, for bringing us together in this space. Uh, I love it. Um... I hope you had a, a, a good time like like I did. <laughs> yeah, it was it was interesting. And I'm I'm a little bit personally more optimistic after our conversation than uh, when, when I started. I, I think all the lessons that we've both learned through the bear market and some of the realizations we've had and the, the communities that we formed, uh, those are really special. Um, and yes. those are things that are enduring. Yes. Awesome. We'll see you all later and have a wonderful rest of your day. See you. Thank you.